Welcome back, Life Group Leaders, to another Life Group Leader podcast. Here we are, Pastor Hayden, back-to-back weeks. Here we are. We didn't stop. We didn't stop. We're back at it. We're here. Well, this is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden, and here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill that mission of reaching, teaching, and training. You know, some people may wonder why we do this every single week, but it's just because we want everyone to remember our mission statement reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. It's staying focused. And everything we do mm-hmm. at our church is focused on reaching, teaching, and training. So, so that's you, why we do it. If you have an idea for ministry, if it doesn't reach, it doesn't teach, it doesn't train. It's an idea. That's not going to be our focus. <laughs> but speaking of focus, that is your sermon title for this coming Sunday's service. No, that was last week's. This oh. week is not a gospel focus. This week is intentional interactions. Speaking of focus, that has nothing to do with the current <laughs> title of your sermon tomorrow, <laughs> there it which is, is right intentional interactions. interactions. I like it. It comes from Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. So let me read that for you all right now. It says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So, what is our focus with our intentional interactions, Pastor Hayden? Really, just the preaching point is just that, that we must intentionally interact with every outsider by using our life, time, and speech specifically to win souls for Christ. I mean, that's why we're here. Uh, that's why we exist. That's why, as God has taken us out of the our sin uh, and the uh, really dilapidation, dilapidation, is that dilapidation. There you go of the world and into Christ. Like it's our job to intentionally interact to bring people out of their sins into Christ. And so that's our preaching point. Uh, our two points are going to uh, go along the lines of that. That one, we need to live out our faith with intent, like intentionally. I always think of, uh, you know, when you go to court, uh, there's a difference in your uh, sentencing. If you do something with intent versus if you just do it on accident. And, you know, I pray that if any of us are in court for our Christian faith, they'd be able to convict us to the utmost because of our intent in our faith and our actions corresponding together with an intentional uh, specificity in our faith. And then secondly, we need to speak, and that's really what these two verses are talking about, walking or living, peripateo, and speaking. Uh, so the way that we live, the way that we speak, we need to point to speak to win souls to Christ. And uh, I, I put it specifically that way because I do not want us to, uh, in our life groups or, or in our lives at all, look at verse 6 and try to uh, anecdotally try to explain why it would be good for us to speak gracious to people and season with salt with people and answering each people. Like This is specifically talking about our evangelistic uh, encounters with people. And so we got to make sure that we're going to do all these great, wonderful things when it comes to uh, gauging and uh, when it comes to uh, speaking in a particular way that helps uh, win people. It's not just to make me a better speaker, not just to make people like me more. Like we are trying to be gracious, seasoned with salt kind of Christians specifically to win souls to Christ. And so there's our, our focus in on uh, the sermon this week. 
So only two points this Sunday, Pastor. Two Hayden. points, but a lot of sub points. A lot of sub points. That's so you're, right. ma- you're making up for it. I am. There you go. Well, what are some helpful insights? You already said a Greek word earlier. What was it? It's peripateo. And Paul uses this word a lot. And I'll actually tell you a little bit more about that uh, in, through the sermon. But uh, what's important for us is to understand. I mean, we, we say this the same way in the same context in our English uh, language. Uh, if I say, how is your Christian walk doing? Well, you're not thinking about a particular way that you take steps, you know, when you walk outside. You understand that when I say walk, you you understand that I'm saying your life. Uh, and so peripateo is the same way. As a matter of fact, it's uh, rendered in English uh, a few different ways in the uh, the New Testament to live, to devote, to practice, to behaving. There's another one I'll give you on Sunday, uh, talking even the way that Satan peripateos. And uh, it's all it is is just the way... For us to know, this is how the, our manner of life should be. Peripateo, that's what it means. Very important for us because it is the imperative uh, in this text that we're going to have to focus on that has a whole lot of, uh, of uh, the verbs attached to it that t- tell us exactly how we walk and, and what would it look like to walk in a way that does win souls. Um, the second is uh, the second insight uh, would be uh, there in verse 5 when it says, making the best use of time. Uh, I love this because you don't see it in the English, but truly uh, what that means is for us to buy up or redeem. Like it's not just, hey, use the time that you have in front of you well. It's really, hey, uh, you need to buy it and purchase it. And, every, and each specific situation is an opportunity for you to take it and redeem it for the gospel of Christ. And so when we look at our time, it's not just a passive um, a passive expression of, hey, I'm, I'm not really doing much with my day. Well, that's why in the Christian life, we have to go and do something. We have to buy it. We have to re- redeem it. We have to purchase it uh, and do something with it. And I love the Ephesians passage, which actually tells you that uh, we need to do our best to uh, make the best use of our time because the days are evil. Now, it doesn't say that in Colossians, but it does in Ephesians. And it's saying you need to buy up the time and redeem it because the time is evil. And so the reason in Ephesians is to buy up your time because the time is evil and we have to redeem it and use it for good. Uh, here, it doesn't specifically say that, but you can definitely get the same context there, that we understand that our time is limited, our time is short, uh, evil is close at hand, and we got to make sure that we're redeeming and buying up the time. And then the third and final one I have for you just on, in this podcast is uh, the term seasoned with salt. Uh, if you're, you know, if you read scripture, you see this used uh, often. But the interesting thing about it is if I had told you to define that for me, you're going to have a hard time defining what it means to be seasoned with salt. As a matter of fact, scholars are even sometimes uh, confounded about what it means to be seasoned with salt. Uh, you know, salt in ancient times was, was used in uh, purification rituals. As a matter of fact, we know that in a lot of ways, salt does purify. Salt preserves food, uh, and salt flavors food. So it's like, okay, what is Paul talking about here? Uh, I mean, we can make a good argument to say, well, he means all three. Uh, specifically in this text, though, we can see the, um, the specific need for us to look at salt as the way that it would flavor the way that we speak. Or it says there in verse 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. So we can definitely see we're talking about a preached word, and the preached word needs to be uh, flavored in a way, seasoned, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so we're definitely going to look at it uh, generally, and that salt does a lot of things, but specifically in this context, we need to understand that it should flavor and put a zip or a zing in the way that you speak. 
And as a reminder, as Pastor Hayden alluded to, all of this behaving, making best use of your time, making sure your words are good, can be easily taken and just applied to the everyday world. And that's what Paul's not talking about. He's mm-hmm. specifically talking about engaging in evangelism, which leads to your, your cross-reference that you wrote down. Yeah, my cross-reference exactly is how Paul thinks about speaking to win souls for Christ and living out your faith with intent. Paul really does that in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. And he says, like many of us would, especially for those maybe who say, well, I don't really want to share the gospel because it's not required, is what he says here in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 9. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Well, he's saying, I'm free. Christ has freed me, uh, but I'm not using my freedom for myself. I have made myself a servant for this reason, that I might min- ooh, ooh, that I might win more of them. And here's how he says he's going to win people. To the Jews, I became a Jew, as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, uh, so that I might win those under the law. And to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. So here we have Paul saying, I need to live and speak to win souls intentionally with these people. And in verse 23, I love it because he tells you the, the motive of why he's doing this. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. At the end of the day, Paul's saying, listen, I'm going to be the salt of the earth. My speech is going to be zingy and flavorful because I want to be all things to all people. And I want to understand people where they come from. I want to understand their worldview, their culture, uh, but not because I want to partake in their culture with them specifically, but it's because I want to understand them so I can speak to them in a way that would win them to Christ. We have a daily Bible reading connection that would kind of maybe even from uh, John the Baptist's perspective, talk uh, a little bit, Pastor Evan, on how uh, John the Baptist even uses his words to point to Christ. Well, as Paul said, we need to make sure we have know how to answer each person according to the knowledge of, of who Christ is. And here, right in our DBR, we are beginning the, the Gospel of John, which every book of the Bible is important, but the Gospel of John is near and dear to my heart, where John is being asked by the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem who ask him, who, who are you? Are you Christ? Are you Elijah? Who who are you? And so he's answering according to the questions they ask. He says, no, I am not. I am not the Christ. And so he says, "Who?" they ask him again, who are you? And he says, I am the voice crying out of the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And so he's saying, I am the messenger preparing the way of the Lord. And in verse um, 26, or 26 and 27, he says, you know, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. So here is John being asked a question, knowing how to answer it back by pointing back to Christ and saying how unworthy, even though he's very popular right there, how unworthy he is to even unstrap the sandals of Christ. And he's using his life and his words to point people to the gospel of Christ. And uh, he... uh, even says, uh, Christ, Christ, is it John the Baptist it says, I baptize with water. He's like, yeah, I'm baptizing here with water. Uh, and, and there's somebody who's going to come baptize you with, with fire. And so, uh, and, and, the, and what did he say? Fire, uh, fire and water. Is it the water or the spirit? 
spirit and fire. That's the one. Uh, yeah, and so again, he's just he's using his life uh, as a, to amplify the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's the same thing that we're here to do. I think that was a good daily Bible reading connection there. Uh, we have some application questions uh, like we give you every single week, uh, and we uh, want you guys to focus particularly on, on a few things every week, and that is making sure that they are applicational, making sure that people are not commentarians, but they're applicationarians. And uh, it's just for you to help people apply it to their own life. And uh, particular areas I want you to focus in on this week is, I love question three, because it talks about proclaiming the gospel verbally. And I know it kind of sounds redundant, but uh, so many people uh, often, and I know I've heard the quote, and I think I may use it in the sermon, uh, but just the fact that people think that they can just live the gospel, not proclaim the gospel, and yet they're doing they believe they're doing the service to God, and in reality, it's a disservice to God for us to never proclaim the gospel, and it's really an excuse for us not to be verbal about the gospel, and, you know, as you're going to read in Romans 10, I mean, there is no other way to proclaim the gospel outside of preaching the gospel, and uh, we're going to learn that a little bit on Sunday, but you'll jump into that in your application questions, and I want you to be prepared with your life groups to be able to articulate well and jump into a discussion there, because I wouldn't doubt if there'd be people in there who may want to object to that. But when you look at the scripture and you even look at uh, the, the words that, that we use uh, in the New Testament that talk about the necessity to preach, the caruso, to preach, when you see it over 60 times in the New Testament, it's always pointing to a proclaimed message. And uh, that's why we need to under- make sure that we help our life groups understand and apply that the gospel is a proclaimed message. And that quote that you're going to reference, I think, is attributed to Francis of Assisi. Um, you know, sh- uh, preach the gospel and, w- and when necessary, use words. Oh, yeah, that's a terrible quote. And it's funny is that it actually he never said it. Well, that's good. I'm, sure, I'm glad. And so we need to make sure that we make, you know, we turn to what the Bible has to say. And Romans chapter 10 is a very good text to have in your back pocket to say, how can people get saved when they don't hear the mm-hmm. gospel proclaimed? And how can they hear not hear if no one is sent? That's right. And, and when you get into your application questions, I also want you to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, how you can tactfully share the gospel, uh, what it truly means to season your speech. I mean, I want you to come up with examples. Have some ready for your group to get the, get the gears greased a little bit to help people uh, start thinking and applying. Hopefully they wrote down answers, but just to get that that conversation going of ways that people can season their speech uh, in a way that makes it attractive and tactful and as far as the gospel goes. And maybe have a, an example that you have experienced yourself of you sharing the gospel with someone else and having to, you know, season your words with salt. You didn't change the gospel, but you were tactful in how you delivered it to that person. That's right. So, yeah, but by all means, help your group apply it to themselves, uh, not to general public, not to the church, but to themselves specifically. And, of course, if it's applied specifically, it'll, it'll help the church. But the, the goal here is to make sure that you are helping your group take it home with them. Pastor Evan, you have some resources that we have uh, placed here in this section. What are a few of these that, uh, that you are uh, excited and encouraged to tell our, group, our, our life group leaders about? Well, in order to be able to share the people to other people the the answers to their questions, we need to know what the Bible has to say, and sometimes we also need to know what apologetics is, the defense of the faith. And one book that is a very general overview of apologetics is a good book to have. It's thick, but it's a good read. Is Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh and Sean McDowell. 
is a father and, and son. The father wrote it in the 70s, and the son came and added to it. But it's a great re- resource to have to pull off your shelf to brush up on some of the apologetics. But sometimes you don't know what to say, especially when, with people who are very combative or how to navigate a conversation. A good book mm-hmm. to help you navigate the conversation is a book called Tactics, A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions by Greg Kokel. It's just a very practical, helpful book to how to navigate the conversation that then you can take the gospel and lead right towards it. But Pastor Hayden, we were discussing a book that you really enjoyed mm-hmm. that we had on this list. Yeah, it's Can We Trust the Gospels by Peter Williams. I love that book because uh, there are a lot, there's hard, it's hard to find books that talk about extra biblical evidence of, uh, of, of Christ. And this book puts it right up front and it's super easy to read. Uh, and so Can We Trust the Gospels by Peter Williams? It's just an apologetic on why we can trust the Bible and why we can understand that these things are uh, scientifically true and forensically true and, and how we can understand uh, Scripture from not just a spiritual perspective, but f- truly from an apologetic, uh, scientific, uh, tangible reality that even the, the atheist is going to have to have answers for. And so I think it's a really good book. It's not super long, so I encourage you guys to jump into that book uh, when you have some time, or even if you don't have some time, it would be good for you guys to read at least some of these books. Of course, we'd love you to read all of them. (laughs) All right, Life Group Leaders, now we enter the section of training. We are now going to cover chapter five of spiritual leadership. And um, this is a really good chapter. Well, obviously one, because it was nice and short again. Hmm. Um, but two, this is just a really good chapter entitled, Can You Become a Leader? And then in the in this chapter, you're going to see about 20 or so questions that I loved reading. It was partially convicting and hmm. encouraging to see how God has grown me, but also to see areas of where I need to grow even personally. But you know, Pastor Hayden, what was one, of the, one or two of the questions that really, or even the chapter itself that really struck you to, for that our life group leaders should have in their back pocket. Yeah, one, uh, man, and all these are really good, and nothing here was like, wow, that one's just so far above the others, because they're all really important questions to ask, but one that really stuck out to me was the one that, that says, can you induce people to happily, uh, to do something happily that's legitimate, and it's something that they wouldn't normally wish to do? And it says leaders know how to make others feel valued, and, you know, that really is the, the job of leadership, is how can we, how can we lead people to do something eagerly that they may not normally want to do, like go share the gospel, go door to door and invite people to church, uh, be a witness in their neighborhood, you know, resolve conflict that they don't want to resolve. I mean, that really is the leader's job is to give them a biblical why and to help give them a biblical what to do and show them biblically how to do it. I mean, and that is our job as uh, as pastors and leaders. You guys uh, are, are entrusted with this responsibility to help people do, do some things happily that they may not normally want to do. So that one really influenced me when I was reading this. Uh, which one do you think uh, really influenced you or spoke to you? Uh, not spoke to you verbally, but, you know, your, your heart, your mind. The book came out and touched it, it my touched heart physically. <laughs> is the first question that he asked right away. And it says, how do you identify and deal with bad habits? Hmm. To lead others, you must master your appetite. And I'm like, right away, I'm like, wow, I need to really examine myself. Like, there what are go. the bad habits that I have? Because as leaders, we need to understand how our habits can either lead people towards Christ or hmm. our habits can lead people away from Christ. And so right. it's a good sober reminder to ask God, God, where am I? And the second one that really 
another I mean, a couple that two you uh, shared as others I highlight, but another one was the question towards the end. It says, is your will strong or ste- uh, strong and steady? Mm-hmm. Leaders know there's a difference between conviction and stubbornness. And that's something that I know in my past. I've been a very stubborn person to say, nope, this is my way. We're not going to be flexible. We're going to stick to this. Uh, but leaders know when a, conv- you know a conviction should be there versus, I don't know, this is me just being stubborn about mm-hmm. a preference. Right. Yeah, guys, we'd love to hear from you guys which questions uh, were really motivating or encouraging or even challenging to you. So when you see us, let us know which uh, question that was really encouraging you and that helped you look at your leadership uh, more uh, directly. All right, Pastor Hayden, we have a few announcements. Some big ones. Some big ones, a couple repeats, but then another one that's not a repeat. Not a repeat. You're going to want to listen to the very end of this. All right, Pastor Hayden, I'll do the end. How about that? Okay, you do the end. I'll do all the ones up to that. Remember, guys, we have Exploring Compass, our June intensive. That's on June 12th from 1 to 4 p.m. here at our facility at 2415 Lifehouse. And we will have lunch provided. We want a bunch of people to sign up for this. We know that there's a long line of people who need to complete Exploring Compass. So make sure if there's anyone in your life group that needs to take Exploring Compass and maybe they weren't available on Wednesdays, maybe now they can come and stay right after church, be fed, uh, go through and graduate Exploring Compass so they can start jumping in and serving and being fully plugged in here at Compass. And then secondly, we have our partners graduation dinner. We have over 70 people who are registered for this already. And so make sure that if you haven't or you know someone who has graduated partners ever in their life and they want to be at the celebration dinner, they need to register quick because it's filling up. Uh, Make sure they register because it's also coming up May 15th at 6 p.m. Pastor Mike is going to be here, uh, who's going to give us an encouragement and and be there uh, as we have a a great evening of uh, partners graduation dinner and fellowship. Uh, that same weekend, that very morning, Pastor Mike is going to be here at the 9 and 11 a.m. services preaching to us a great message out of the book of Hebrews. And so we want you to be there, invite people to be with you. It's just going to be a wonderful uh, service for everyone at our church to have our uh, sending churches lead pastor here uh, and also to be able to celebrate with Pastor Mike uh, all that God has done here in the life of our church. Uh, pastor Evan, we got a big announcement. Well, Pastor Hayden and I just got back from a little road trip to road Huntsville, trip. Texas. Home of the state pen. That's right. We <laughs> had dinner right next right to it. Right next to it. Literally. Literally. But that's not where the camp's at. We're not no. putting a summer camp in the state pen. Instead, no. we are going to, we're announcing these summer camps for both Compass Kids and Compass Students. And no, it's not the state pen. Compass, uh, Compass Kids, our summer camps, we have science camp, art camp, and camp, Com- uh, camp Compass coming this summer. The registrations are now open online at compasshillcountry.org. You can go. go to the kids page. We have science camp on June uh, 21st to 23rd, art camp June 28th to 30th, and then Camp Compass July 12th to 15th. All right. And this is for all kids that are incoming first graders to fifth graders. So this is going to be a really excited time. So register and get the word out. Spread the word. We want hundreds of kids at these camps so they can not just have fun, but hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and get families connected to our church. And speaking of the word. We have our student summer camp called Revival. And the theme for this revival is Logos. We are teaching them Greek. It's taking God at his word because Logos is word. Speaking of John 1, right? 
the Lagos became flesh. And that is July 20th to 23rd at Carolina Creek in nearby Huntsville, Texas. A little bit of a drive from Huntsville, thankfully. And that's for what what age group? That is for incoming sixth graders to twelfth graders. And registrations as now are now open online at compasshillcountry.org on the students page. So register your students today and get the word out. We want to get we want to pack out that camp with you know, middle school and high schoolers to, so that they can hear the gospel, respond to the gospel, and get connected to God's church. We toured the facility uh, yesterday or the day before. Can't remember. It's been a long day. But it was a great facility. We are excited to have our very first overnight student camp here well, at Carolina Creek. All right, guys. A lot of great things going on here still. We're ready to uh, celebrate tomorrow, to have worship, uh, to just be together again another week. Uh, and we're just grateful for all that God's doing here at our church. A lot of things going on. Make sure you register for them. Let your group know so they can all be a part of all the things that God's doing here. We look forward to seeing you guys soon. Grateful for your leadership and praying for you as you are making disciples here in the Hill Country. 